Hello and welcome to the March or Die podcast today. Very glad to have you with me. We are going to jump into an interview, an incredible interview with a great guest, one that I have been looking forward to for a long time. We're going to jump into that in just a second, but before we get there, just a couple of reminders. First of all, I'm going to start with this today. Please go and check out one of the companies that makes this podcast and content like this possible. Uh, I've been talking about them for a while, but Freedom Fatigues. Freedom Fatigues, a lot of folks in our community, those who listen to this podcast, and uh, I'm sure others who might be outside of our normal community of veterans and active duty service members, people who just enjoy this content, would wear patriotic apparel. Now, that sounds funny, but we're talking about T-shirts. We're talking about uh, hoodies and hats, some great, great apparel. And I've mentioned this. I've been looking for a company for a long time that not only represents America as I see it and the values that I hold as an American, but one that uh, holds the values I do as a veteran, and then one that doesn't get crazy. Some of those companies get a little bit crazy. And Freedom Fatigues is that company. I've enjoyed working with them. I've talked to the owners. A veteran of the Air Force, served in law enforcement for almost 20 years. Uh, After an accident related to his service as a police officer, started this company with his wife. He and his family run Freedom Fatigues. And, uh, man, it's an incredible company, all American-made. They make sure that everyone who participates in creating uh, what they produce and what they sell is uh, is American made. Great quality. I love what they produce. Go and check them out. Freedom Fatigues. If you want t-shirts, uh, hoodies, they've got a lot of great stuff. Go check that out. And if you use my code at checkout, now this is a benefit to you, so check it out. Use it. Use my code at checkout. Jeremy10, Jeremy10, J-E-R-E-M-Y-1-0, Jeremy10. You will get a 10% discount on your order. And uh, again, they help to make this content uh, and other content like this possible. Please check them out, Freedom Fatigues. That would be awesome. For those of you that are listening to this podcast and not watching on YouTube, Uh, Again, thank you for doing that. Make sure that you are subscribed so that when whatever platform it is you're listening from, uh, when this content comes out, that will automatically be downloaded to you and you'll have access to it so you can check that out. That would be awesome. If you're listening over at Spotify, by the way, uh, just last week started posting the video on Spotify as well. This is a beta test that they're doing, but uh, they've allowed me to upload video there, so please check that out as well. Or you can go over to YouTube, and that would be fantastic. A lot of good content on YouTube. Find my channel. Go to YouTube. Search for my name, Jeremy Stallnucker. You can find me there. Find the channel. Subscribe to the channel. Hit the notification bell so that you are uh, notified when this and other content comes online, and I know that you would love to have access to that. Otherwise, you would not be listening. So please check that out. And then finally, for any other information about me, you can find my blog, all of my social contact uh, contacts, other podcasts I'm involved in, all the stuff that I do, you can find it at my website, jeremystalnicker.com, jeremystalnicker.com. There's also a link there to the Mighty Oaks Foundation. And uh, again, so many of you have uh, found me through the work that we do with veterans and active duty service members, first responders, and spouses through Mighty Oaks, and appreciate you guys as well. Please check all of that out. Go to Freedom Fatigues, buy a t-shirt, use my code Jeremy10, uh, go to YouTube, find my channel, go to the website. That would be awesome. So many places I'm asking you to go. We haven't even gotten into our conversation yet, but here we go. We have a great, great conversation today, and uh, I've been really looking forward to this podcast interview. Uh, had to schedule it, scheduled it out a little while, and it's someone that I've been listening to actually uh, for quite a while. Um, 
a young guy that I really respect because of his clarity around the topic of not only leadership, but faith in leadership. Uh, his name is Alex Judd. If you're not familiar with Alex, I'm going to read his bio. I, I could tell you what I know of him, but I want to read this so you have it. Alex founded the path for growth out of the belief that everybody wins when a leader decides to intentionally grow every single day. That's his company, the path for growth through teaching intensives and coaching. The path for growth team empowers impact driven leaders to define vision and take meaningful action. Prior to starting path for growth, Alex served as the host of Dave Ramsey's nationally recognized entree leader podcast. In addition to that, uh, Alex loves endurance sports. He's finished, I think he told me yesterday, 23 marathons and uh, two Ironman triathlons, uh, which uh, I really respect, of course. And, uh, man, w- what a great voice, full of energy, passion, and, again, the clarity. I, I told him on the podcast when we did the interview um, – what I appreciate about his podcast, so he has Path for Growth, that is his organization, but they have a podcast as well. And what I appreciate about his podcast is it's it's very clear, <laughs> it's very succinct. Uh, well, many uh, leadership and business podcasts, it's, they're just kind of all over the place and a little fluffy. His is not that way, and it's been very, very helpful to me. So very excited to share this conversation with you. Uh, we talk about identity. We talk about leadership, of course. We talk a little bit about legacy, what you're going to leave behind, how you grow through difficulty, how you push through obstacles, some principles for moving forward. Very excited to share this, this interview with you, with today's guest, Alex Judd. Alex, thank you so much for uh, taking some time. I know you're very busy, but I appreciate you stopping a run or whatever it was you were doing before you came on to uh, to join us. Really appreciate it, man. Thank you, Jeremy. I'm stoked about this. Thank you. This is uh, this is something I've been looking forward to for quite a while. Um, your your podcast is great. Your business is inspiring. What you've been a part of is is awesome, and it, it's all kind of right in the vein of what I've studied and cared about for a very long time. Um, but let's start with your story because this is this is fascinating to me how someone gets into what you're doing right now. Now you started a business, you run a great po- podcast which I listen to often. Um, before that, you're with the Dave Ramsey organization. What was your path to to where you are now? What does that look like? Yeah, uh, it's always hard to define a starting point whenever yeah, you right. talk about a path. But the the one that I always point back to, and and my mom actually remembers this as well. I was in second grade. And she was folding laundry. And as she was folding laundry, I looked at her and I said, Mom, when I grow up, I don't think I want to be a motivational speaker, but I'd love to be a motivational teacher one day. <laughs> and, and she looked at me, she was like, Who are you? Right. Go go play outside yeah, or something. Right, what right. are you talking about? But I, I say that just to say I think there was this something in the back of my head that knew, like, man, communication, leadership, motivation, inspiration. That was something that I deeply cared about from early on. And whether it was in the back of my head or at the front of my mind, truly it was something that I thought about kind of throughout my younger years and then certainly into my career. And uh, it was kind of in college that I always wish 
it was something that was more intentional, but it wasn't that at all. It was very accidental. I just started taking on all these free internships and mm. different work gigs yep. strictly because I, I really enjoy work and I, and I love to work and I love to do things and I really love working with people. And so I, I was just taking on all these internships. I worked at the Texas Capitol for a member of the House oh, of wow. Texas Representatives, worked with a political consulting group, worked with a corporate consulting group, and all this stuff was free, right? That's why I get so mad at people that are against the free <laughs> internship. The whole yeah, right. free internship should be a legal thing. I think that's so dumb because I built my career on free internships, right? right. right? And, and what I didn't realize that I was doing then that I'm so grateful for now is it was just trial and error. I was just figuring out, okay, what do I like? What do I not like? And, and how does this all work? And, and the two things that started to stand out associated with a startup that I worked with, my time in the Capitol, working at a church, was that, man, I loved the topic of effective and intentional communication. Yeah. And I absolutely loved leadership. Yep. And those two things just like stood out above and beyond the rest. And so it was out of college that I continued working uh, and running a not-for-profit associated with a church that I went to out in West Austin called Spur Leadership. And it was entirely based on Hebrews 10, 24. Mm. Let us consider how we may spur one another on good. towards the love and good yeah, deeds. Good. And that's a great model for leadership. Um, but man, that was like a leadership sandbox for me because they let me run this organization on its own P&L. And I got to make a lot of mistakes and I didn't get paid very much, but I also <laughs> right. got to, to learn from a lot of really uh, incredible leaders that I would have never had the opportunity to meet otherwise. And it was in that process that the couple of years that I was working for that organization that I started listening to the Entree Leadership Podcast every single Monday. And I was literally kind of listening to it out of necessity saying, mm -hmm. I need this stuff because I need to figure this stuff out. There were people that were depending on me. And, and so I was listening every single Monday and I'll never forget, I was on a run and I can remember uh, the sidewalk stop that I was mm -hmm. at uh, whenever I thought to myself as I was listening to the podcast, Ken Coleman was the host at that time. And I thought to myself, man, that could be a cool place to work one day. Wow. And, <laughs> wow. Uh, I always tell people that it was 14 job interviews later that I ended <laughs> up getting that job. And, uh, and man, I, I started in more of a sales role. I actually started taking cancel calls for a monthly membership program. Man, uh, you want to talk about some leadership <laughs> lessons. I learned some stuff from there, but ended up working up to where four years later, I became the host of the Entree Leadership Podcast. That was just an insane experience. And then um, it was a, a year and a half into that, that I kind of looked up and I realized, uh, man, I've spent my entire career up to this point, almost a decade working with and around entrepreneurs. And I think mm -hmm. if I didn't, I would always spend my life wondering what would have happened if I would have been one. And it just became clear that the time was right to start my own business. And it was out of that, that we launched Path for Growth just under two years ago now. We always say that we exist to help impact-driven leaders step into who they were created to be so that others benefit and God is glorified. Man, what a great story. I, I love even the start of it. Um, certainly when you said to your mom, I, I want to <laughs> get involved in this somehow. Um, but, but just taking the jobs, you know, I speak to young people often and they're always asking for advice. And my advice is do everything you can. I mean, grab it all, learn it all. And, and there's no downside. You don't like it, you move on. But man, what a great experience. And I, I'd like to hear you talk, if you can, for just a second on how God brings all of the pieces of our past together in ways that we don't 
see on the front end. So, you know, my, my story is these random pieces. It felt like at the time I invested my life here and then I walked away from it. And it's like, God, what did that even mean? God brings it all together. And it sounds like your story is very similar to that. It's just God bringing all these pieces together. Man, I, I so appreciate that question and just kind of that line of thinking because you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect the dots looking mm. backwards, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I was literally, I can't even remember what specifically I was thinking about, but it was something related to the fact that there's parts of my character right now that I am relying on that were developed back when I was doing cancel calls for a year and a half. And there were seasons where that job was miserable. I mean, anyone that tells me they live to do cancel calls, I'm sorry. I just don't. And, and, and thankfully it was in within an incredible organization and the product was actually really good and all of that. But, but there's parts of what I get to do now that I wouldn't have been able to handle if I, the resiliency and the conviction and the sense of stick to mm. from that season wasn't built. And so I think the principle that's important for me to always keep in mind that is so easy to forget is that nothing is wasted. That's good. Nothing is ever wasted. And we just must remember that if there's something in your life that you can't quite explain yet, or you can't quite connect to yet, or you haven't reaped the, the character benefit from yet, it's not that it doesn't have one. It's just that it hasn't shown up quite yet. Yeah. And you should keep digging. Um, but nothing is wasted. Yeah, that's good. A lot of the people that um, we work with through the Mighty Oaks Foundation come from, you know, one role serving in the military or serving in the, you know, the first responder community, they wear a uniform, they have rank, their job is very clear. They transition out of that. And it seems like in that period of transition is where a lot of people get lost. Uh, mm -hmm. Traumas of childhood are buried. What's happened in the past relationship struggles, they've managed that. But in that moment of transition, all of that comes up. Bad decisions are made in that process often, which leads to, you know, other things needing to be done, whether it's come to a program like ours or have conversations, get help, whatever the case. It's that moment of transition. And, and I believe that a lot of that is losing identity in that process. It's you identify so closely with what you were, a rank that you had, a job that you did, a uniform that you wore. Um, for folks outside of the military or that community, it could be a career and now they're retiring, whatever the case, you lose yourself. How do you maintain your identity through the various stages when God is building you to the place that he wants you to be? So you've got these pieces, these jobs, these things. How do you maintain your identity through, through the, the transition periods of life to really get to where God wants you to be? Well, I would say that's something that I'm still very much figuring out. I mean, I'm a young guy and it's something yeah. that I'm definitely still working on. And I, I would also say that I'd probably be remiss not to thank those people for their service. I mean, uh, the men and women are, are of our armed forces and law enforcement communities. I mean, y'all are heroes. And mm -hmm. so just thank you um, for what you've done with your life in service of others. I just admire you so much for that. But with regard to your question, you know, it, it, I think it can often be pretty revealing that when a job changes or a title changes or a status changes or our day-to-day -day operations change, then we start to feel like we lack identity because I think all of us would say that we believe that our identity isn't 
tied to job status, authority, position, things like that. And nevertheless, I mean, I struggle with this, right? Like I love Ramsey solutions. I was the host of one, uh, one of the, if not the largest business podcasts in the country. And I go from that multi-million dollar studio. I'm just incredible building. And I mean, you show up and John Maxwell is sitting there waiting to talk to you. Like, what is that? (laughs) To now, like I literally record on an $80 microphone, just wherever I am in the country. (laughs) No studio to another. It's like, and, and there was, there was a split second where I was like, who am I? Who am I? And and what I had to remember is, oh, that that wasn't who I was. That was just what I did. Right. That's good. And and what's so cool is is the more that you focus on who you actually are, which is a son or daughter of the one true king, which is someone that was fearfully and wonderfully made, which is someone that God has a plan for, that he is in complete control because he's omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient. When you start to focus on who you are in that, what's crazy is the adventure that it makes everything that you get to do into. Because because if what you do is who you are, then you render yourself unable to take risk. Why would you ever take risk, right? If I'm tying my actions to my identity, I can't afford to make a mistake. I can't afford to do new things. I can't afford to take new territory. I can't afford to take on a new role because anytime I do something new, I'm probably going to be bad at it at first. Mm. And it's not just me being bad at a thing. It's me being bad at me being me if I'm tied to my identity. And it's like, that's a bad spot to be in. And so when you gain that detachment is my work is not who I am. My work is simply where I serve then man, you get to operate from such a sense of security and stability and strength. And one of our core values for our organization is that strength is for service. Mm. Because it turns out you don't actually serve people very well from a posture of weakness. So we need you to be really strong in your identity, not so that you can just show off how strong that you are, but so that you can effectively serve and pour yourself out into the lives of others. Yeah, that's good. Man, what a great answer for someone that's still trying to figure it out. That was a great, that was a great answer. <laughs> well, man, I, I mean, I, maybe you feel this way too, Jeremy. It, it, I say still trying to figure it, figure it out because it's way easier to give that answer than it is to live. That of course, way. yeah. Well, and we were talking about this before we started recording. It seems like every phase of life, you're figuring it out all over again. And so, <laughs> you know, you have to be okay with that too, right? Like, I always get so disappointed when I talk to people that are older than me and they're still having that experience. <laughs> right. like, dang it, I thought when you hit 40, that just went away. I thought yeah, you do no. figure it out at 40. It gets worse. That's why they call it a midlife crisis. It gets <laughs> worse. Um, your, your faith is obviously very important to you. It's important to your business. Um, what was your, your faith journey? When did you accept Christ? And so that's part one. Part two, when did you really get a hold of what that meant for your life? Uh, I know for me, I accepted Christ as a, as a young person in a you know, Christian home, but it wasn't until I was in my early 20s that I really got a hold of what that means for me. What was that journey for you? Hmm. I appreciate that question as well. I grew up uh, within a Lutheran church, and I love that church. Some people that either grew up Lutheran or Catholic or in a more traditional denomination have an experience where they say, man, I was just too many rules and rituals and stuff like that. And I I guess I can understand where that's coming from. That was not my experience at all. I still love the Lutheran church that I I grew up in. And there's times where I find myself missing the deep-seated ritual and tradition. And what's so cool about Lutheranism, I mean, man, you want a good leadership book? Go read, uh, gosh, uh, what's his name? Eric Mc 
Simon Taxis' yeah. biography on Martin Luther. Yeah, it's incredible. It's incredible. Oh my gosh. You yeah. want to talk about leadership conviction? That guy changed the face of the earth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, literally almost single-handedly. Like, and and of course people were following him, but just mind-blowing because his convictions were so deep. And because he was saying, What I read in the text yeah. is not aligned with what I see is going on right now. And someone has to stand up and right. say something. Yeah. Unbelievable. And so there was so much of that woven into the Lutheran church that I grow up grew up in. I mean, the Lutheran faith is is one that is deeply rooted in a conviction that we are saved by faith and not by works, right? And that that is was the original split from Catholicism in so many ways. And so grew up within that. But I, I would say that I I kind of didn't have exposure to what it looked like to be absolutely on fire for your faith within that experience. Yeah. And that wasn't bad because there was a lot of things that I got exposure to with regard to self-control and discipline and the value of tradition and ritual that I'm so grateful for, but I didn't get exposure to the deep seed passion and fire. And so it was the second week of my freshman year in college that a friend of mine invited me to a church called Lake Hills church out in West Austin. And, um, it was unlike anything I'd ever experienced. I mean, the, the, the worship was like crossway between a, a, a rock concert and a revival. And it was just like, <laughs> right. what is this? This right. is amazing. I mean, it was amazing. Right. And I was like, I didn't even know this could exist in church. And uh, the people were just overflowing with joy. Some of those people are still some of my closest friends. Mm. We would have pizza afterwards and just hang yeah. out and have some of the richest conversations. And because I was already someone that cared deeply about intentional and effective communication, um, uh, the pastor, he's kind of like an Andy Stanley style communicator. Right. His name is Mac Richard. He was, he was probably the most effective communicator I had ever seen at that stage of my life. And I was just like, man, this is a whole That's different awesome. style yeah. of faith and church. But uh, I, so I had admiration for the institution. It was, I think the third or fourth week there that he said something in his, in one of his messages that just stuck with me. And I'll never forget it. He said, what I want you to understand is that happiness is circumstantial joy in Christ transcends all circumstances. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. And I heard that. And like so many of your listeners have probably experienced this where it wasn't like it was this revolutionary idea more than that. It was just something that finally put words to the thing that I felt like. Yeah, I that's experienced good. Before. Yeah. And it was like, my God, that's it. And so I, I don't know that I would say that was like the moment that I committed my life to Christ, but it was the moment where it became deeply real to me as something right. that was my own. Yeah. And, uh, and then, you know, from there, you think that it's going to be this up into the right trajectory. And in reality, <laughs> the path of following Jesus is, is a descent path, right? And so, <laughs> right. Um, so it, it's become further and further and further layers of surrender to saying like, oh, this, this isn't about me. And, and whenever you think you've reached the final, this isn't about me, there's another layer that you can yeah. steal pill off. And so, man, it's just, it's one of those things that if someone listening to this podcast hasn't made that decision, I will say that that single decision to follow Jesus is one that brings meaning to 
every other aspect of your life. Yeah, that's right. Um, because I mean, so many people are so clear. So many people today are wandering and looking for adventure. I will tell you, it is wildly available to you. It looks like following this guy named Jesus yep. that lived 2000 years ago that absolutely radically single-handedly changed the face of human history in one lifetime. Just yeah. insane. So yeah, yeah. I, I can get pretty fired up about that. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> well, it's, it's crazy too. When I talk about moving forward in life and overcoming obstacles and difficulties, and trials and traumas. We talk about those things all of the time. The, the foundation of all of it has to be a relationship with God through Christ. And, and people will, will push back on that a little bit if they're not there. And they'll say, well, why can't I take the principles? Can't I take the thing? And, you know, they wouldn't say this, but divorce it from the religion or divorce it from the faith. And, and biblical principles are still biblical principles. Truth is still truth. And if you apply God's truth to your life, you're going to be better than if you didn't. But I don't know how you move forward in a meaningful way. If you don't know who you are in Christ, that's the whole thing. That's what, that's what, to me, at least what brings everything else into focus and, and how you can attempt to do this life thing, to find your identity, to know who you are without understanding who created you to be who you are, who gives you purpose and, and direction. I, I don't, I, I often wonder how successful people are successful without that. It's, it's an amazing thing. You're absolutely right. It is the foundation of everything. That's right. Ha Jeremy, have you read the book Abolition of Man? It's a C.S. Lewis book. Uh, I haven't, no. Holy cow, man. I, I just recently finished it. And so I, I should probably apologize because I'm probably going to botch my first time talking <laughs> about it. Um, it's, it's probably one of the most challenging books I've read in a long mm. time. Challenging in that it is, it is so heady and so dense, but it's so good for the cultural moment that we're in right now. Because what you just said is, okay, well, someone says, well, can't something be true? Can't something be good? It just doesn't have to be related to the God that you're talking about. Right. Right? It doesn't have to right. be related to a creator and all of that. It's like, okay, let's, let's walk down that road. What does true mean? Right. And sure. what is good? Where exactly does good come from? Because do you think that things can be objectively good? And I mean, I will tell you, my experience in life is that there are things that are objectively bad and there are things that are objectively good. Right. And if that's the case, where exactly did that come from? Mm. Because that doesn't exactly yeah. feel like a function of evolutionary biology, right? <laughs> Why is right. it that sacrificial love is something that we all agree exists? I mean, where does that come from? And so you, you just better make sure if you yep. want to go down that road, you're being intellectually honest with yourself and you at least do yourself the service and others the service of examining those tough questions yeah. and taking your presuppositions to court in some ways and saying, do I actually live as though this is true? Because most people that I know are living as though there is such thing as good and bad and right and wrong and truth and deceit. And that means something. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. Uh, you mentioned Eric Metaxas in his book, Luther or Martin Luther, which is incredible. I had the opportunity to interview uh, Eric a couple of weeks ago on his most recent book is atheism dead. If you haven't read that, you need to grab that one too. Oh, man, it's incredible. <laughs> it's incredible. And he builds a case over several hundred pages for scientific and archeological proofs for not only the existence of God, but the working of God throughout human history. It's, it's amazing. We came to the end of that, you know, conversation. And I said, okay, what is the job? What is the role of a Christian in culture? And he looked at me like he didn't understand the question. He's extremely intelligent. Uh, so he, <laughs> he understood the question, but he looked at me he's like, what do you mean? There's only one truth. And our job as Christians is to communicate that one truth to the world. That's it. And uh, to your point, 
that's it. There's one truth. And how does everything else make sense without understanding there is one truth and it comes from God? Um, yeah, fantastic. Maybe he's that's just right. maybe he's just riffing off C.S. Lewis. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> they're both pretty right. smart. So. There's times where I just realize, like, oh, it turns out everyone is riffing off of C.S. Lewis. That's what <laughs> everyone is doing. Right? The whole Christian world is doing that. <laughs> that's right. When when uh, when you talk about leadership, and that's what you talk about, you know, so often. And again, I don't think that one can understand leadership without understanding faith, and so that has to be the starting point. And I think it is. How do you define leadership in, in simple terms? How would you define it? And then having defined it, what is the measure of success for a leader? How do you define success on the other side of that? Hmm. Well, let's, let's start with what is the definition of right. a leader? From my perspective, if someone depends on you, then you are a leader. And so what I would tell everyone that's listening to this hmm. podcast is, Oh, by the way, you're a leader, sure, right? And, right. That's and everyone. whether you classify yourself yeah. as one or not is nice, but irrelevant Yeah, because people are depending on you. Unless you live in a monastery by yourself, <laughs> people depend on you, right? right? And, and so the question is not, are you leading? The question is, how are you leading? Mm -hmm. You are an elevator. You are taking people up or you are taking people down, but you are taking them somewhere. And, and so you are not neutral. And so it's in that context that, well, then we better accept our responsibility and ask the question that you did ask, which is, what is leadership? Well, the most fundamental definition that I find really helpful is leadership is taking people from here to there. Mm. And that seems so simple that it seems easy. It's not easy, yeah. right? Because there's a lot in that. Leadership is taking people. So, so if you call yourself a leader and you look behind you and no one's following you, you're not a leader. You're just going for a walk, right? So, <laughs> right, so, right. so it's taking people. And, and yeah. that says something about your pace. That says something about your level of self-control. That says something about your empathy level. That says something about your ability to be patient with people. Mm -hmm. That says something about your inspiration factor, right? There's so much wrapped into taking people. Okay, let's look at the next part then. From here. Well, that's kind of a big deal because then we have to ask the question, where is here? Sure, right. Where are we today? Yeah. And that's actually a really like psychologically, that's an incredibly difficult question mm -hmm. to answer. And so we've got to get firm feet under us and say, where are we today? And the, often the greatest threat to us getting to where we want to go is we have no clue where we actually are. Mm, that's good, yeah. and, and why do we have no clue where we actually are? Well, I think one of the greatest sins that so many human beings fall for, myself included, is the sin of self deception. We, we convince ourselves that things are good, things are okay, things are fine, things are beautiful, because we don't want to look at the snakes that are hiding under mm -hmm. the rug. Yep. And, and so a leader is the person that has the courage to lift up the rug and say, oh my gosh, it's a mess under there. And, and that's scary and that's nasty and that's going to have to be dealt with, but there's always beauty and truth. And so the first deception that you have to deal with, if you're going to lead people, well, you got to lead yourself. And the way you lead yourself is you deal with the snakes that are under yeah. the rug. Wow. And, and I mean, that takes courage, right? So, okay. So, so here yeah, owning well, reality yeah. as it stands today yeah. from here to there, well, then we got to define there. 
And, and man, this is vision casting and it's, it's so much related in, in what you're talking about, where you said leadership has to start with faith in, in so many ways, leadership is faith because if leadership is taking people from here to there, well, there you are a human being. Therefore you have this brain that has given you the capacity to do something that no other species on the planet can do quite like you can, you can envision a future six months from now that doesn't currently exist. Like, I mean, I get chills every time I talk about this because that should blow our yep. freaking minds yep. that you can picture a business, you can picture a relationship, you can picture a version of yourself, you can picture parts of your character yeah. in the future that don't currently exist today. And then you can be about the business of creating it. And so what does it look like to envision mm. something that doesn't exist and you don't know if it can exist, but then to start taking steps in that direction as though it could, well, it looks like faith. So literally by essence, you cannot lead unless you're willing to take steps because I mean, what is faith? It's, it's the evidence of things that you cannot see. That's, that's vision, right? And so, so if you, if you can traverse, if you can identify here, if you can traverse the gap to there, and if you can take people with you, well, then I think that looks like success as a yeah. leader. That's awesome. Man, that's so good. Um, I'd like to spend 30 more minutes talking about that, but that's fantastic. When you talk to people, everyone's a leader. I absolutely agree with you. Um, how do you. How do you translate that into maybe a home setting where you have a parent leading a child? you have, you know, these different phases of life. Is it dependent on the phase of life? So there is different for each place. Um, here is obviously different for each place. Or is there a constant in that? How do you cast vision for your three-year-old? What, is that, what does that look like? And it's, well, not, just for, it's not just for kids, but you understand what I'm saying? Like every context is different. So someone may go, well, what does that even mean? Yeah. Um, I, I don't have any kids, so I'm always very careful not to sure. get, step into the lane of parenting advice because uh, well, I bet I'd give great parenting advice. And the reason yeah. why I give great parenting advice is because I'm not a parent. I'm like, even oh, parents, so easy. parents <laughs> don't give good advice either. So just go yeah. ahead. That's right. But Here's what I have seen. Uh, one of my uh, one of my closest friends, and she's now the coaching manager on our team as well. Her name is Olivia Graham, and and her husband is also a really good friend of mine. His name is Will. They they have a two-year-old, his name is Noah, and they are two of the most intentional and deliberate and purposeful parents I've ever seen. I mean, it's unbelievable. Olivia became a student of artful parenting and is practicing that art every single day with Noah. And I can literally say Noah is one of my good friends too, because he's such a delight to be around. I mean, <laughs> right. some of the conversations I've had with their two-year-old son are just unbelievable. And he's just so smart. And so, I mean, like he's not a nightmare to be around, which yeah, isn't that sure. wild, right? Yeah, and it crazy. turns out like parenting isn't the only thing, but it definitely makes a difference. Yes. I've seen that come to play. And, and so what are some things that they've done? Well, man, one of the things that they taught me whenever I'm talking to Noah is they say, uh, don't say be careful. We don't say be careful because we don't want to raise an overly cautious child. We want to tell him this is the consequences or the benefits that could occur in the future if you do the right action now. Right. And so I think that relates a lot to what we're talking about here yeah. to there. We're not talking about three years from now with Noah, but we are saying, hey, let me paint you a picture of a future that doesn't currently exist. And and they they say things. I saw this 
them say this there they told him uh we had a uh fire pit out in their front yard not too long ago and and i i was like be careful around the fire they're like no, no no watch this and she just looked him dead in the eye she grabbed him by the shoulders and you can picture this in a leadership scenario too yeah. she looked him in the eye and she said hey that fire is really hot and i know you you know what to do around things that are really hot i just want to remind you whenever there are things that are really hot we make sure we stay far away because when we stay far away we don't get hurt we can be happy and we can be excited but if we get too close we could get hurt and that wouldn't be good because we wouldn't have fun anymore yeah and man she like she was telling him hey this is the future and i want to make sure we operate in accordance with the future both you and i actually want we want to have fun we want to be happy and man there's just so much to that so uh if you want to talk parenting you should really yep. have olivia on your podcast because well, she would crush but it's so interesting it's crazy and the, the reason i asked that is because i i have conversations about leadership and there are always people who disqualify themselves and so often the people who disqualify themselves are parents or particularly you know the parent that's staying home with the kids and and i always try to make the point that if you can lead in the home you can lead anywhere that the process that's right the process is not different now it's it's more difficult because it's a personal relationship, but it's not different. And applying those principles that you would apply in the home to business, to a sports team, to whatever, it's the same principle that guides us forward in leadership. And uh, what, that's a great example. Yeah, that's a great well, example. Well, and, and more, I'll tell you, more often than not, whenever I go do team trainings with businesses around the country, the individuals who have the most intuitive get it factor around what we train with regard to leadership are typically moms. Mm, They just like, they already get it, that they already understand. I don't, I don't know exactly why that's the case, but it is a trend that I have definitely noticed that they have a get it factor and an intuition that has just been honed. Um, So yeah, do not discredit your role in the home. It is number one, it's outrageously valuable. And number two, it is, I mean, one of the greatest examples of leadership there is. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I'll I'll end with this again, so many other things I'd, I'd love to talk to you about, but in the leadership journey, you are taking people with you. That's the measure of success as you, as you talked about. There will be difficulties, there will be trials, there will be these these moments where I've got to decide, am I going to push through? Am I going to stay where I am? What are some principles, just some very basic principles of someone sitting across the table from, from you? They say, Alex, I just don't know if I can do it anymore. I know that's where God wants me, but I'm overwhelmed. I'm beat down. I'm tired. Um, there's too much out there I don't understand. I just don't want to do it anymore. What are a couple of principles that you lay in front of them to say, here, here are the reasons you should continue forward? Hmm. I think it's Proverbs 4.33. No, 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 Matthew 4.33. You may be able to correct me if I'm wrong. You have pastoral experience. Probably not. Probably uh, not. Seek first the kingdom of God yeah. and all these things will be added to you. Is that Matthew 4.33? Uh, that is Matthew 6. 33. There we go. It's in Matthew. There you go. (laughs) We'll just say there's a verse in Matthew that (laughs) Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said it. That's right. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. And so the question was, you know, when you get embroiled by crisis or by challenge or by distraction or by issues, um, what do you do? Well, man, that verse is a pretty good guideline. Seek first the kingdom of God. 
when you get embroiled by all that and entrenched by all that, you have to have the resiliency and the emotional and spiritual fortitude to lift your eyes above the problems of the current circumstances and stare directly at the kingdom of God. That's good. And what does that mean? It means putting your eyes on the highest possible ideal, because if you're not careful, and we see this with business leaders all the time, if you get into survival mode where it's like, I just have to make the next payroll. I just have to keep the doors open. I just have to keep doing the next thing, right? I just have to pay the bills. Well, if you stay there too long, then you end up getting on this hamster wheel that's incredibly difficult to get off of. And so what you have to do is you have to have the courage and the faith to lift your eyes above. You still have to make payroll. You still have to pay the bills, right? But what would it look like to lift your eyes above and say, okay, what's the highest possible ideal? Mm, What, how do I not just pay the bills? How do I glorify God in this situation with my time, with my energy, with my relationships? And what the verse says is what I would say I've experienced. And I've seen other leaders experience with their business, with their family and with themselves is when you put your eyes on that highest possible ideal of who God is and what he's called us to it is amazing how the other stuff just starts to figure itself out. And, and I almost don't like that phrase figure itself out because let's be very real. You play a role in figuring it out, except you're able to play that role with a sense of emotional centeredness that you could never have otherwise. That's why I I resonate so much with what you said earlier, Jeremy, about like, you look what you look at people that don't have, um, a, a relationship with Jesus Christ and a belief in the God of the universe. And you say, how do they do it? Because in a world that is fragile, feeble, and scattered and weak, the only way to be sustainably centered, healthy, stable, and strong is to anchor yourself to something that is way less variable than yourself. That's good. And man, that's not cable news. That's not culture. You're not (laughs) going to find it on social media. You're going to find it in truth service to you in love. And I'll tell you, my experience is that the place where I always find that is in my time reading God's word, which is the Bible and in my time in prayer. And so what I would tell people, the principle that I would focus on is seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. That's fantastic, man. That's, that's, uh, that's awesome. I appreciate that. Um, man, so much good there. Alex, where can people follow you, follow your podcast, learn more about your business and the other stuff you're into? Yeah. Pathforgrowth.com is our organization's website. Uh, and, and we send out a weekly email called worth it Wednesday. That's because I think most email isn't worth it. And so we try <laughs> to send out one email a week that is worth your time and, and your energy. So we send a principle worth learning, a question worth answering and a recommendation worth taking. Typically you can read it in under three minutes. Uh, if you want to sign up for that, you can do that at pathforgrowth.com. You can also check us out at pathforgrowth.com podcast. Jeremy, man, you're a, you're a gifted communicator yourself. I'll tell you that. And uh, thank you for your service and thank you for being so courageous in providing truth in love to the people that listen to this podcast, because it's clear that you have a passion for what you do. And this mission really matters. I believe in it. Thank you, Alex. Great interview. I knew you would love it. I knew you would love it because when I was 
going through the process of interviewing. I felt like we were just having a conversation, and it was so engaging and so helpful, and I know it's helpful to you as well. Please take some time to share this out. You know someone who could use what you just heard, who could use that interview and those principles. Uh, One of the things Alex does really well is he just breaks things down very succinctly, very clearly, and uh, really, it's, it's very actionable. So please share that out with some folks that you know. I know they would be helped by that. Also, go over to YouTube and uh, share that content out. Leave me a comment there. Would love it. Check out the website. That would be fantastic as well. And finally, go over to, as I started the show, go over to Freedom Fatigues. Buy yourself a T-shirt. Use code JEREMY10. And uh, I know that they will appreciate it. I certainly will appreciate it. And you'll get some great American-made apparel out of it as well. Thank you for listening. Again, this is the March or Die show. And our principle every single week is very simple. In life, you only have two choices. You can stay where you are and die. You can do that if you want to, emotionally, spiritually, relationally. Or you can march. And the great thing about these decisions is that you always get to decide. Thank you. We'll talk to you next week. In a recent survey, parents reported that 52% of homeschooled children need learning accommodations. These parents need practical advice, encouragement, and hope to fuel their homeschooling efforts. The Empowering Homeschool Conversations podcast is where parents gain wisdom on how to teach unique learners successfully at home, like Laura, who recently told us, I needed this episode. I don't need a fancy curriculum or need to be a special ed teacher to teach my son. You have given me hope. To listen now, go to Life Audio or search Empowering Homeschool Conversations on your favorite podcast app.